Welcome to a Frugal Athlete Podcast, where we interview athletes, both current and former, on the prudent financial practices and smart career decisions they are making. In these episodes, we dive into what it means to be a frugal athlete. You might think that frugal just means being cheap, but as you will soon learn, being frugal is more complex than that. I'm your host, Amobi Okugo. In this episode, we got my guy, Devon Kennard. And let me tell you guys this, this has been in the works for so long. I've been trying to get Devon on the podcast for the longest time. He's one of the guys that I always, you know, tell others about in terms of an athlete doing it the right way. You know, he's a eight-year NFL veteran, you know, doing his thing currently with the Arizona Cardinals as a linebacker. Uh, but outside of that, he's just doing so many wonderful things from, a, you know, money management space, uh, real estate space, uh, education, giving back to the community. So I'm so excited for you guys to listen to the podcast because what I like about Devon is that, you know, you don't see him all over the Instagram, you know, highlighting his accomplishments. You know, he's just he just gets the job done. He's, uh, you know, very successful in what he does on and off the field, but he, he doesn't do it for the accolades. You know, he's all about building family generational wealth and, you know, making impact where he wants to make impact. So I was excited. We finally got this done. Um, it was a long time coming. Um, so definitely tune into the podcast because you're going to take away a lot of gems from Devon and I appreciate him making the time and best believe you're going to be hearing about him soon, very soon on a lot of other platforms. So tune in. Hey, how you doing? Uh, Devon Kennard, how you, it's been a while. We finally got connected. We finally made it happen. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. How you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. We've been, it's been in the works for, you know, a couple years now. So I'm glad we finally made it happen. And uh, man, I'm glad to talk to you today. No, most definitely. So for the people that may not know about you, um, I feel like a lot of people do know about you and all the wonderful things you're doing. But for context, give us some, you know, some history. Uh, my name is Devon Kennard. I'm in, going into my eighth year in the NFL. I went to USC for college. I graduated with undergrad and master's degree. I'm one of the few guys who can say uh, the day I got drafted, I already had two degrees, um, you know, undergrad and master's degree. Uh, I'm a real estate uh, I'm, in, I'm a real estate investor. So I've been in, investing in real estate since my second year in the NFL. Um, that's a passion of mine outside of the game. So I think that's something I'm going to be doing for, uh, you know, a very long time. And yeah, I, I love uh, community work after school programs. So everywhere I've played, I've, I've dived into the community and, uh, you know, worked with after school programs, education, learning, reading is, uh, you know, really important to me. I have a book club reading with DK. So yeah, that's a quick little synopsis, I guess. No, nah, respect. And, you know, I think that's how I first, you know, heard about you because you were doing your reading with DK. And, you know, I thought that was a great initiative highlighting education. Um, talk about, you know, right off the bat, you know, I see your bookcase there. Amazing bookshelf. Um, five books that you'd recommend for every athlete. Every athlete. Um, Money Master the Game, Tony Robbins. Um, the Alchemist is just one of my favorite, hands down. The Alchemist with the stuff that's going on in the world right now. To Kill a Mockingbird is one of my favorite. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that's uh, the book that kind of changed my whole mindset and opened, um, opened my mind up. And a fifth one, um, and there's so many. Oh. I'm going to have to go. I just, uh, just finished reading um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Talking about habit building, and that was that was powerful. So there's so many books I can name, but that's kind of at the top of my head because I just finished reading them. 
No, respect. And I think it's amazing. We're going to have those in the show notes for all the uh, listeners as well. Um, education. You said, you know, one of the few, if not only uh, players to have two, uh, two degrees before you graduate, uh, before you went on to the big leagues. Um, was that always in your intentions or like, how did that come about? Yeah, you know, when I went into college, I came with a mind with a mindset and I already had a mission in mind. You know, I wanted to get as much school done as fast as possible because whenever I was done, I want I never wanted to go back. You know, so some people some people are like, uh, oh, I hate school, kind of slack and they didn't they don't, you know, take care of business, they barely get by. For me, it's like I want to do as well as I can and get as much done. Cause I, I don't want to have to go back if I don't have to. So I got my undergrad degree in three years and people were like, how'd you do that? I took 16 units every semester and at least eight units every summer. So I, I grinded. Um, and uh, like some people ask me, oh, were you able to have fun? And, and yeah, but I, put, I had my priorities intact. You know, I, uh, you know, I still went out and partied sometimes and, and did those things, but I made sure that I took care of my business first. So. Um, yeah, I graduated with my undergrad in three years, and then I didn't think I was going to be able to finish my master's, but as a true senior, I tore my pec, and I had to come back, redshirt as a true senior, come back, and that, and I had a, it was a progressive degree, massive degree that I got in a year and a half, so I was able to knock the full thing out um, in that extra time that I had, and, and uh, you know, that's, that's why I was able to, you know, get, uh, graduate before, the, uh, before I got drafted. No, that's amazing. There's a lot of uh, things that we could take away from that. Not only using like things that you learn from sports, you know, discipline, you know, staying focused, hard work, um, and you applied it to your education to be able to, you know, grind 16 credits, you know, per uh, semester, eight in the summer. Like that's not something that's uh, a lot of people can handle, but, you know, because of your, your mindset, you know, not only as a person, but, you know, as an athlete, it definitely carried over. And then you talk about, you know, you know, taking, turning adversity and turning it into a positive, you know, you know, that medical red shirt that you had to take, you turned it into a positive and then it ultimately led you to the NFL, which now you're in eight years in the league, um, obliterated the average length of a NFL career. So talk about that. Um, you know, the lessons that you've learned along the way, um, and how you've been able to stay in the league so long as a linebacker at that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you got to be able to adapt. You know, when I was in college, I dealt, dealt with injuries and I dealt with a lot of coaching changes. I was at USC when, uh, you know, it was everything was going crazy. And uh, I came in under Coach Carroll. He left after my freshman year. I had Kiffin. Uh, my last year, he got fired halfway through the year. So I dealt with a different defensive uh, defensive um, coordinator and position coach every year while I was at USC. So, uh, you know, while I was in it, it was discouraging because I, I changed positions a lot. I dealt with a lot of injuries and I was skeptical of what my future, uh, you know, looked like on the football field. But what I learned years down the line and when I got drafted, what I thought was a detriment ended up being my advantage. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I became a player who I understood, even though I'm an outside linebacker, I, I played inside linebacker one year at USC. So I understood coverages way better than any other outside linebacker did. Um, you know, I had to do D-line stuff, linebacker stuff, moving back and forth. So I saw the game differently than a lot of guys and, uh, you know, it paid off. I remember when I got drafted, one of the main things that Tom Coughlin, the head coach at the time, said was one of the main things that got me drafted was the board work I, I did when I went on a visit with them. And they were impressed by, you know, how smart I was. I remember one of the things they had me do was they drew up one of their defenses, everybody's role, uh, the coverage, all of that and erased it 
and asked me to Ooh. to draw to draw it back up and explain it. And it was a it was a pretty simple cover three cover three defense out of a three four look, and I just drew it drew it all up. I knew what, exactly what the corners were doing, with you know everyone, and that kind of blew them away because a couple of other guys that were with me, uh, they did the same thing and they struggled. So, um, you know, the, what one lesson I learned from that is, man, sometimes the things that that hurt you, that's what allows you to to really be successful down down the line. So trust God's plan for yourself. No, I love that. You know, trust God's plan and then having the mindset, you know, being able to embrace the different, you know, people that have come into your your life, not only from the athlete perspective, but, you know, in general, um, being able to learn from different coaches, different players, different schemes. And you've, you've applied it to your NFL career as well. You know, you started off with the Giants, or, uh, you know, moved on to Detroit and then now with the Cardinals. Uh, talk about that, because I know Detroit, you guys are known your locker room. I, I commend the Detroit Lions locker room because I feel like you guys are hidden when it comes to like learning about financial literacy. I know Jack Collins went there, Brandon Cop Copeland played for the Lions, Hakeem Vows, yourself, other, uh, I think it was Darius Butler as well. Um, so you guys have like a, a, a good group. I'm not sure how much you guys overlapped, but mm -hmm. everyone I meet that played for the Detroit Lions is really like forward thinking when it comes to personal finance. Uh, I think it's just an accident because I, I know who Brandon Copeland is and some of the other guys' names you mentioned, but I didn't play with most of them. Uh, I played with Hakeem Valles, so uh, me and him would talk real estate and stuff a lot. But, uh, man, I guess uh, the Lions do a good job of, of picking, picking guys with, uh, who, you know, have their future in mind. But, uh, you know, playing in Detroit was awesome. You know, I, I loved it there. I was only there two years. I thought I'd end up being there longer, but that was a great lesson on the business of the game, you know, so I um, learned a lot from that and, and left there. And now I'm playing in my home state of Arizona. So I uh, couldn't be happier right now. No, nah, respect. And my fault, I forgot to say Jeff Locke as well. Jeff Locke, I got to give him a shout out. Um, so let's talk about this real estate, because I know you had a recent Forbes article last uh, late summer last year, uh, fall last year, 2020. And, you know, for the people that know you, they know you've been doing this. But what I like about you is, you know, you you low key, you're not all up in the news, you know, bragging about all the wonderful things that you're doing. But you finally got the recognition you deserved from a real estate perspective. Give us like real estate one on one. How did you get into it? Why did you always know that this is something that you wanted to do and talk about how you manage it right now? See, so when I was in college, I had to make a decision. I, I mentioned earlier that I, I uh, dealt with a lot of injuries and and I also, you know, just put position changes, culture changes. So I didn't always know what my uh, NFL future was going to be like. But one decision I had to make was, man, I know the life that I wanted for myself. And I'm, am I going to tether the, tether the future that I want for myself to the game or am I going to achieve that regardless? And for me, I had to make the decision. I wanted to be successful and I wanted to live the life that I wanted to live with or without football. I think every athlete needs to make that decision because everybody has dreams of, you know, being able to have a nice car, a nice house, travel where they want, et cetera, et cetera. Well, hey, the, uh, you may love the game, but the game ain't always going to love you back. So are you, are you going to be, are you, uh, is those goals tethered to the game? And if so, you better hope you make it. But for me, I made the decision that I wanted to make achieve those goals regardless. So I'm in college and I'm like, all right, I'm going through these these uh, trials. How, how am I going to reach these goals if football doesn't work out? And I met some mentors and one of one of the guys I met, he was um, he an, an old police officer and his wife was a teacher and he built a huge real estate business in, in L.A. Um, currently owns over a thousand properties and, and all this stuff. And I'm like, he did that off of 
off of you know a, a police salary and a teacher salary if he could do it why can't I so that kind of sparked something for me and I got into the league and one of my uh, old teammates at SC who was in the league too we um, we took a leap of faith bought our first property and it, it took off from there um, we both split the down payment and it went well and that just gave me the spark of like wow I could really do this and I've been doing it ever since. Uh, that's amazing. And talk about that. I definitely want to highlight that group economics. You know, you guys were able to manage the risk by going in together. You guys were able to learn the process and split the bandwidth by going in together. But sometimes a lot of people don't want to do business together. So talk about that. Um, almost like the do's and the don'ts, the pros and cons and what you guys were able to learn. Uh, I think transparency is huge. So for instance, I'm very conservative. I like, I, I'm willing to invest and I want to do things, but how I move and how I look at things, I'm very conservative. My partner, he was a little more aggressive, but we had common commonality. Like, all right, well, this one, we don't know what we're doing yet. So uh, full transparency, we bought a, a property in Indianapolis. It was $87,000 $87, single family uh, property. So the purpose, we knew we wasn't gonna make a killing on that property, but it was to get that ball rolling. So many people don't bust a move. They never, they yeah. sit on the sidelines for too long. And I didn't wanna be, I didn't wanna get stuck in that rut. So it was like, look, this is $87,000. We each put $12,000 down. Uh, I'm, it was going into my second year in the leagues. Um, so it's like, for me, all right, this $12,000 is a lot of money, but it's not gonna break me necessarily. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> but it's not it's not gonna break me and that was that was my mindset and that was his as well we and, and we did it and to be honest uh four and a half years later this last off season we uh we sold that property and you know made it made a ton you know made over 120 percent return when you factor in when you factor in payments um you know the the rent we paid and uh got paid over time and then what we sold it for so uh that was that was awesome no that's amazing and talk about that because you know, when it comes to risk management, obviously, um, you know, everyone has their own like level, but when it comes to, you guys bought a house in Indianapolis, you, you weren't living in Indianapolis at the time. I don't think your teammate was um, playing for the Colts at the time. So what dro drove you guys to, you know, go with the market that you guys weren't currently living in or like able to get there? Talk about that process. Cause a lot of people think you can only do real estate where you're living. Yeah, so that's that's really important. And what I want to kind of reiterate to, to a lot of athletes, we're busy, right? So people don't want to get into real estate because they, they're scared. It seems like it takes too much time. Open your mind and there's ways to do it. So there's something called turnkey investing. And, and that's what I've done. I have 15 properties now and they're all they're all turnkey properties. So eventually, essentially, you find a turnkey provider or somebody who flips homes on a large scale. I chose the Midwest because, once again, I'm conservative and the prices for homes are really cheap there. So I'm like, all right, um, home, the average home that I that I buy in the Midwest in place Indianapolis, Kansas City, Ohio is give or take $100,000. All right, three room, two bath, $100,000. A lot of money financed or, or pay cash depending on the situation. Like it's not, going, it's not going to break you. You're not buying a $400,000 home. So, mm -hmm. you know, so for me, I, I find a flipper. He probably bought it for, you know, $50,000, renovates it up and then sell, sells it to me, I hire third property management and people are scared of that. But most turnkey providers are, are flippers who do it on a large scale, have a good network in that area for who you can um, who, who you can use for property management. So I, I get recommendations from them. I interview them, fly out, interview them, decide what property management I wanna go with. And then it's mailbox money. And you know, till this day, 
that that money's just been been uh, coming in the mail, you know, to be honest, direct deposit at this point. But <laughs> I still like like the concept of calling it mailbox money because I know every month that money hit um, hitting the account. And, uh, you know, that's a way it took a little effort up front, you know, doing a little bit of due diligence. But now that machine's uh, it's a well-oiled machine that I don't have to worry about too much. Once a month, I look over the statements in the off season. I fly out there, meet with property management, check out my properties, and it's just giving me cash flow. No, I love that. I love what you said about property managers because, you know, I did some real estate. I have a spot back in Philly and I was trying to do it myself, knowing that I was never going to be in Philly because I was playing in Portland at the time. So I'm calling people like, yo, can you go check on this? And I was like, no, what? I got to get a property manager, take the you know stress off my plate. And like you said, just get the mailbox money, get that cash flow. Um, and it, it saves you a lot of stress and it, and it helps like organize everything especially with you you have you know how many properties now you have you have almost 20 properties I have 15, 15 properties yeah yeah so 15 so it's you it, i mean you you're able to do a lot but you want to be able to manage it um traveling here and there so you know using the turnkey uh, uh, advantages to your advantage absolutely so let's 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 break it down even more i want real estate one-on-one and obviously um for anyone that's listening to this podcast, if you're an athlete, I'd love for you guys to, you know, connect with Devon, uh, Devon, um, you know, definitely take his advice, but also make sure this is our disclaimer. Uh, make sure you consult with your real estate or your financial experts before you, you know, you hear what uh, Devon's saying and you want to do exactly what he's doing. So can, consult with your financial team. But with that being said, real estate 101, you know, single family property, multifamily, wholesaling, flipping. I want everything. Give us the rundown. So, uh, you know, the single family, that's my single family strategy. I, right now, I like buying turnkey turnkey properties in the Midwest. Uh, it's about well for me. My main goal in that is to create that mailbox money. So when my, my career is done playing, I got cash flow coming in to where the, um, the lifestyle that my family and I want to live. I don't got to dive into my NFL money, the principal. I'm, I'm getting that off of, you know, the mailbox money. Uh, another way that I that I love and I personally get involved in, in real estate is through syndications. And there's two different ways. You can be a limited partner or a general uh, partner. And a limited partner is essentially I work with my financial team and we go out and find the best syndicators in in um, in the country, like that have different different markets and do different things. So a syndicator is essentially just somebody who's going out buying properties, but they're looking to raise money. So for instance, there could be a guy, I'm in Arizona, there could be a guy in Arizona that uh, is trying to buy a hundred unit apartment and he's put money up. He's, he's had a ton of success doing this already. He's done it four or five times and he's looking to raise some money. Well, I find him, I do my due diligence with my, with my financial team. We evaluate the deal and uh, we agree upon what my preferred return is going to be. And I get a good idea of, all right, when do, when do they plan on uh, refinancing or selling the property? So I, I, I know their game plan and I mitigate my risk by understanding that aspect of it. And I invest alongside them. They're doing all the work. I'm literally just, just putting, putting the money up and all right, a deal could be an 8% return guaranteed, anything over that. Um, you know, I get I get get paid more if they if they do better, and then uh, five years, ten years from now, if they sell the property, well, I get to per, uh, participate in that because I'm part part owner of that. So a full deal going through, I, I've done recently. Um, you know, it was a nine percent preferred return. Got nine percent for five years. They just refinanced the property. I got most of my principal back, but I still have my stake of ownership. So they didn't sell it. So I got most of my principal back. 
all the cash over the last five years, and now I'm still going to be getting paid. So, um, so once again, mailbox money and all and all the work was done up front for me. I, all I did was, all right, work with my financial team, find people who are doing a good job, evaluate the deal, and be like, all right, I went in. I'll put X amount of money in with you guys, and I get paid monthly, quarterly, depending on the deal. And so that uh, that's another way that I love getting into real estate. I have uh, 22 syndications that I'm in. So uh, 15 properties, 22 syndications. Um, you know, I'm blessed. The, the cash flow is where, is where I want it. It's heading <laughs> that's, good. that's good. So, I mean, at some point, you know, I know people can look it up, but, you know, obviously not, you can't believe everything we see on the internet, but at some point you are wanting to make it so your real estate money is almost that or equal to what you're making from the NFL. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, that's the ultimate goal. It, um, if I'm honest, like goal number one was get to the point where it, it covered the lifestyle I want and not just, not just the, uh, you know, like necessities. Like, I mean, like, all right, if me and my family want to spend X amount of money a month, let me go and make sure I could get that. And that means we're going on vacation where we want, we could do that. Well, I'm, I'm pretty much there. So now it's like, man, I want to, what's the next goal? I want to hit to the point where I can make over a million dollars in revenue a year. Well, you know, it's going to take a lot of work, but that's, that's where I want to go, uh, go to next. That's the next step for me. I want to, um, when I'm done playing, I want to be able to say, I still make over a million dollars a year. Um, and, and I'm not even playing football anymore. So that's, that's kind of, um, my next goal or the, or the big goal. And it's going to, you know, it's going to take some time, but I'm, I'm dived, dived in, I'm committed and that's the focus. That's amazing. Well, you're definitely going to get there. Um, but I want, what I want athletes to take away or anyone for that matter is that, you know, when you put goals down is much easier to reach them than just saying, I want to do this. I want to do that. And what we can take from you is that, you know, you have goals and that's what athletes are good at goal setting, but now you have the goals and now you're reverse engineering. How are you going to get that? So, okay. How many syndicates do I need to do? How many uh, no turnkey properties do I need to have? And then from there, it's a step-by-step -step process to ultimately get those goals. Um, and a lot of times when the athletes deal with money, it's just like, you know, I want to have all these nice things, but all right, how do I, how do I go about getting it? Or how do I go about obtaining it? Um, and that's where, you know, a lot of things go wrong. Yeah. And to with you know having nice things and stuff like people like flexing uh it's 2021 everybody on instagram flexing with the with the watches cars houses and, and that's dope you know do you there's got guys out there balling um on and off the field making a ton of money but me personally i think the real flex is when you got those things and you and you're buying it with uh, passive income exactly so, you know for, for me i want to be able to be like nah my, my nfl salary ain't, ain't uh, covering that i just bought this nice watch for myself or you know my wife something nice whatever and I, I bought that with passive income like for me that's a real flex and uh you know so that's that's what i want to do and that's what i'm working towards man that's what it's all about you know like you said mailbox money passive income you know the fact that you can make your money work for you that's the ultimate goal and you know the more you know the more assets you have um, will ultimately lead to that instead of just, you know, being a high earner, you know, everyone could be a high earner, but that could be taken away at any point, you know, whether it's an injury coach, not rocking with you, um, you know, ownership, trying to do new things, but passive income, real estate, that's always going to be there. And it's something that you've mastered. Hey, what's up? I'm a Mobile Kugo, AKA a frugal athlete. So check this out. We came out with an all new extensive brand new course. Our course, Rookie Mistakes, is a course that helps young athletes and individuals avoid the common mistakes when starting your career. I provide real-life examples, lessons, insights, all that and more to teach you how to identify the rookie mistakes before you make them. And trust me, I've made a lot. 
It's all about giving yourself the best foundation and head start to build financial and career stability. For more information or to get the course, check out the link in bio. Um, talk about your deal flow process. You know, you said you mentioned you're working with your financial team, you know, to look at different deals. What is the like, what does a deal flow look like? What are you looking for from, you know, whether it's a, a flipper or a syndicate or even like, a, you know, a turnkey investment? What are some factors that you look for when it comes to real estate? People. You know, as, as important as the, the property or the investment is, like I, I really view view it as I want to get to know the people behind the deal because that's really important. Are they problem solvers? Not everything is going to be perfect. So is this flipper, are they, do they have good character? Are they doing really good work? Or am I going to buy this property from them and you know, find out a month or two down the line that the plumbing job was awful and it's charging and it's costing me a ton of money that this um there's multiple things going wrong or same with property management. Uh, they're not doing a good job managing, managing the property. So it's costing me money. There could be lawsuits involved. I'm not trying to deal with that. So uh, the number one factor for me is I want to uh, do business with people who have of high character uh, and who have resiliency and work hard. You know, if, if you can have those kind of things and it's just uh, for us athletes, it's the same thing as who, who do you want on your team? You know, you want guys who are gonna, who are gonna work hard, you know, are gonna show up on time who you can uh, rely on, depend on. Well, that's who I want to do business with too. So uh, I think that's actually, honestly, the most important thing. So who, who are the, who's the team you put around you and the people you're doing business with? And, you know, from there, it's just depending on your risk tolerance and what you want to get involved in. You know, for me, I started out and I, I didn't want to invest in really expensive homes. So buying turnkey property properties in, in uh, the Midwest made a ton of sense for me. Well, now I'm starting to realize are um, those properties don't appreciate as much. So the, the cash flow is good on a month to month basis, but I'm not gonna be able to grow my wealth a ton buying just turnkey properties in the Midwest. So now I'm in Arizona and I'm starting to look at multifamily deals. And that's where I'm gonna be able to um, have opportunity to really grow because eventually, especially when I'm done playing, I wanna become a general partner in, synd in syndications instead of a limited partner. And general partner means I, I take part in do putting the deal together. So I find the hundred unit property with my, with my team, we invest money. We, we go and raise money from um, people like yourself or, you know, whoever and bring the money in. And now I get to double dip. I'm getting, I'm getting that return just like the limited partner, but I get more upside because I'm on the general yeah. partner side and I'm putting the and deal the management fee and the uh, carry interest. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, oh, that's, so that's, that's, so that's really where, that's the, that's the next step. So first it's been establishing, establishing myself and establishing the cash flow. But now I've been a limited partner. I told you in 22 deals and I started to realize like my returns have been great and all that's going, going good. But the people on the other side who are the general partners, they really <laughs> making a killing. Yeah. They, they really getting it. Okay. And it's, and it's not that hard. Just how I've been evaluating and underwriting deals with my financial team. That's what, the, that's what they doing. They just building a network. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to get on that side with y'all now. Um, so, you know, that's what I'm focused on. And that's what's next for me. I got to build it slow while I'm playing. Cause obviously uh, my focus is uh, football, but uh, you know, I think there's great opportunity there. No, I love that. And, you know, it's a perfect segue, um, not really a segue, but you mentioned, you know, starting off with turnkey and now you're raising it to the next level. You talked about, you know, your rookie year, you didn't really do any deals. Your second year, you were able to, you know, get into your first deal. Now, as 
you focus, you said, you know, obviously you're playing football, you're keeping the main thing, the main thing. A lot of times, a lot of athletes are focused on, all right, how can they do things off the field? How can they uh, get these deals? How can they do these brand deals? The most important thing is to, you know, focus on your playing. So talk about that. Like you've been able to carve out an eight-year career, but also manage, you know, over 30 properties, both turnkey and syndicates. Yeah, I, it's just really important to, like you said, keep the main thing the main thing. Football, I've been playing this game since I was eight years old. That's my passion. That's my love. And, and uh, you know, I want to do that as long as I can. So for me, you always got to take care of that business. You know, before I do anything, it's, all right, I'm getting my training sessions in. I'm getting the extra work. I'm I'm doing those things. But that's why I invest in a way that, um, so far, that doesn't require a ton of time and effort. The things that I'm, I'm doing, you know, I I do most of the due diligence in the off season when I have extra time. And during the season, the people around me are helping um, helping manage it for me to where I don't feel like I'm um, I'm trying to get ready to play the Los Angeles Rams. And, <laughs> and I'm worried about, oh, what what's the next deal I'm getting into? Yeah. No, like I want to be able to when I in my free time, look over some statements, make sure things are going smoothly. But I'm worried about ball. I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to step uh, I'm going to sack uh, Russell Wilson this week. So uh, I think, you know, being able to keep the main thing, the main thing is, is essential, but invested in a way that allows, allows that uh, to happen is really important. And, and uh, you know, I found that right balance for me. No respect. And then from a personal budget standpoint, is there any tricks that you, uh, that you've applied? You know, we all know NFL players, they get paid over the course of the season and, you know, the smart players understand that and they ration out, you know, their salary over the course of a year. Whereas, you know, some unfortunate situations where athletes or football players, because they get paid over the course of 17 weeks, you know, they spend their money like it's only during the season. And then in the off season, they're struggling. So do you have any any personal budget tricks that you use or, you know, lessons that you've learned from a money management standpoint? I think uh, the biggest thing that I do and, and I kind of picked up on right away is don't spend money during the season. Like, you know, you're supposed to be focused on what you're doing anyway. So. Um, for me, all right, whatever you're eating, if you want to get meal prep and all that, whatever body work you need um, and all that, and, you know, guys like to get to get fit and have their fits for, you know, uh, the playing <laughs> and game day. So you could dibble and dabble and do a little of that, but spend minimally during the year. Uh, focus on your craft, do that. So the off season, that's when you got nothing but time. However you want, you might work out for an hour or two. Maybe you work out twice a day. That's three to four hours in the day max that you're that you're training and um and then the rest of the day is for you that's when typically guys spend the most money so why are you going to uh be in the season breaking breaking bread spending big checks doing all this and then all season comes and you're like oh my gosh like i'm worried about i'm not getting paid till august or september i gotta be like no just just chill during the year and then give yourself a little more leeway in the off season so i think that's the biggest biggest takeaway that guy i think guys should do is uh, you know, they start getting paid and they see them big checks coming in and they already spending and then off season comes and they want to go on vacation and then they want to go, they, yeah. they want to go to Miami and they trying to go to live and then, you know, and, and all these things and, and uh, you gotta, you gotta cut a check for all that. So oh, yeah. that's, that's the biggest lesson I would say. Nah, respect. At some point, I got to share my little story. Oh, they be taxing, but okay. So obviously, you know, last year has been crazy. Um, how were you able to adjust like um, with, you know, COVID? I know there's talks about, you know, NFL being affected um, from a salary standpoint, different different set of situations. 
how did it affect you, you know, not only on the field, but off the field, you know, real estate, a lot of people were moving, you know, to different locations, you know, moving out, some tenants weren't able to pay. I know I had to go a couple months, you know, paying my, uh, my rental property because I didn't, I wasn't able to get a tenant. How were you able to like, you know, you talk about risk management, that's one of your big focuses when you do your deals. Uh, how did everything um, affect your situation? Yeah, the first thing I uh, I did, once I found out that the season was in question, I, I talked to my financial advisors and was like, let's assume every move we make the rest of the year, let's assume that I'm not getting a dime of the salary I'm supposed to get this year. Mm-hmm. Because if I get it, great, shoot, we're working with more money than we expected. But if I don't, we already planned for it. Once again, I'm very conservative. Some guys might be like, oh, I'm already, I, I know I'm making this this, uh, this much. I didn't know that all of that was up for discussion and up for, um, you know, to figure out between the NFL and NFLPA. Well, they're not dictating my personal life. So, <laughs> all, all right, how's that, how's that affect me? So that's the first first thing I did was like, all right, let me let me make sure we get we got our spending down a little bit and we understand what the what the risks are. And right now, who knows? We might play no games. And the NFL at first wasn't gonna wasn't trying to pay us a dime if we didn't play a game. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, I'm gonna assume I'm not making no money this year. And uh, you know, I think that was the most important decision decision I made because it made every other decision easier. Cause it's like, yeah. all right, well, can I when I'm not making nothing this year? Is this an investment that I should do? Uh, you know, this will put my, uh, my cash reserve to X amount. I ain't like, I ain't going to invest in that right now. No, I'm cool. And then with the stuff I already had, it, it provided, uh, you know, an ease for me because it's like, if I don't get paid at all this year, I know I got cash flow coming in. Like once again, that, that was a relieving feeling. Like I know some guys going to be hurt, you know, like, like how you already mentioned it, all season hits and they've been spending too much money and they can't wait till they get another check. And all of a sudden they're supposed to make X amount this year and there's just no season. There was guys out there uh, stressing. For me, it's like, all right, well, I already know I got you know X amount coming in. Me and the family is good because we'll be able to live off of that worst case. So you know, I was, I was kind of uh, not tripping. And then I was lucky I didn't have any real issues with any of the syndications I'm in or any of my properties. Oh, you know, like I, I got lucky. I, I ain't gonna say like there was any strategy or you know what I mean? Like yeah. as, that was just the grace of God. I didn't like, you know, a, a late fee here and there or, you know, a, a late rent pay and, and stuff. And then some of the returns weren't as good as I expected, like in some of the syndications I'm in. But um you know, for the most part, I wasn't in fact affected greatly. So I'm lucky on that end. No, I appreciate you sharing that, you know, um, and I think that's a very important, you know, what you, you, what you said about, you know, playing almost like worst case scenario. Uh, obviously you never want the worst connect, worst case scenario to happen, but playing that and visualizing it so that every other decision up to that will greatly affect you uh, moving down the road from a financial standpoint. Sorry about that. Yeah. I think Sorry. that's really what you just said is really important that like some people don't think or, or think it's a pessimistic way of, of looking at things. But for me, because I'm so conservative, it gives me peace. So I work backwards that way. What's the absolute worst case in this in this deal? So, for instance, if I'm looking at a syndicate, the worst case is like, oh, tenants aren't paying paying rent. So I'm so we're not going to uh, have as high of a return this year. But overall, it should balance itself back up. People need a place to stay. So I'm like, all right, like I can live with that. But for me, thinking about worst case scenario and then having a plan for 
what I'm gonna do if the worst case scenario case scenario happens, it eases my mind. Cause I'm like, this is what this is the worst thing that could happen, and this is how I'm gonna handle it. This is what, what's gonna um you know what's gonna transpire. All right, then I could build up from there. Well, be, best case scenario, like you know everybody still pays rent, that and and I'm good. So that that helps me a lot, just cause. I, I like when you know what your worst case is and you know what your risk is, then your eye, then your mind could be eased a little bit. No, respect. Yeah. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, so let's sh- shift gears. You know, you talk about a, a lot of the different things that you're doing from the you know, financial standpoint with the real estate. I know real estate is your, is your bread and butter, but you, you know, you do other things as well. And I, I, I don't want that to get lost um, in terms of, you know, you know, you being able to diversify, I think it's important that people understand that. Um, but you're also big on education. You're also big on giving back into the community. You have been nominated for a Walter Payton Award as a finalist. Uh, and good luck to you as you guys, uh, as they make that announcement pretty soon. Um, talk about, you know, some of the stuff that you do off the field, you know, from an impact standpoint. Yeah, you know, uh, a passion of mine is is youth, education, reading, community. So everywhere I've gone, I've been involved with after school programs. You know, when I started out in New York, there was there was a um, organization called uh, New City Kids, a great after school program. Um, I still kind of show love to them when I can. And I volunteered a lot of time. Uh, money, resources, and, and even to this day, the Giants are pretty involved with the organization because, because of some of the ties I had and you know they kind of took off. So I'm really proud of that. And it's just an amazing program um, and organization. And then I went to Detroit and I was like, all right, I want to find another after school program. You know, I love these after school programs that are getting kids out of, out of the streets and they're helping them study, they're helping them learn, they're they're mentoring them, they're doing all these things. And, and I got lucky and found a program called uh, Midnight Golf. And at first I was skeptical. I'm like, are they just golfing? But it's really just a mentorship program and they're getting students ready for college. They're helping them with homework uh, and they're teaching them golf, but with a reason of a, a lot of business deals, a lot of relationships. Like so they're they're introducing it to inner city kids, the game of golf. How many inner city, inner city kids have ever even touched a golf club? Oh. I know I didn't growing up. So um, so got involved with them, and and uh, that's that was the real reason that I became a Walter Payton Man of the Year finalist last year. And you know, going through that experience, being able to go to the Super Bowl um, last year, uh, getting recognized right before the game, and um, Calais Campbell ended up winning the award, but just being around guys who are making huge impacts in their communities, whether it's home or where they're playing, and being able to be a part of that was was just a really awesome. I think that's one of my biggest accomplishments uh, playing in the NFL so far is just, um, you know, some of the greatest people and players I know have been nominated or have won that award, and to even be mentioned uh, with some of their names is truly an honor. No, it's, it's amazing. It's something I try to reiterate to, you know, every athlete, you know, use your platform, use the leverage that you have, use the resources to really make an impact. You know, not everyone's going to be a professional athlete, but through yourself as a professional athlete, you're a role model and you've been able to do amazing things. So uh, I know you mentioned things, you know, organizations that you worked with, you know, the rewards, but uh, you touched on it earlier, D, uh, reading with DK. And I remember um, that's how I first connected with you because uh, you were doing amazing things with that. Um, talk about that, you know, if there's anything else that you'd like to share in person and, and, and how people can connect with that if they want to volunteer or donate or however they can get involved. Yeah, so that's, uh, 
you know, a little backstory is like, it's a good story of just shoot your shot. Cause reading with DK happened when I was in New York, my third or fourth year. And I just liked reading. And I was like, I want to show people that I'm interested in other things just outside of football. Like every athlete, they have football camps and they're talking about sports <laughs> and just how you mentioned, it's like, I want kids to know that you can, you can, have other interests or chase other careers it doesn't have to just be sports there's so many ways to be successful so i was just brainstorming and i can't came up with the idea and i was like i'm gonna just gonna have like a social media campaign i'm gonna try to get people to read a book with me and see where it goes and i did it and it, it was a ton of success a lot of people participated uh the new york times picked it up and you know i was on i was in the new york times and i was just like wow like yeah. the idea i had and shot my shot like it's so easy to talk yourself out of it like no nobody's gonna say nobody's gonna do this i'm not gonna who cares but and i just did i just told myself and did it and uh you know I, i'm still doing it up until this day and it's something hopefully more and more people will start participating in I, i'm probably gonna do one uh this this month sometime or early next month i'm trying to uh figure out the book giving everybody an early tip here i, I think it's gonna be that uh um Atomic Habits that I mentioned. Okay. I just finished reading it and I thought it was an awesome book. But um, uh, yeah, so now I just want to get people to participate uh, and get encouraged to read because that's my passion. You know, a lot of guys play video games and stuff. You call me a nerd. I don't even own a video game console. <laughs> like, I like reading books. Like yeah. uh, that's one of my, you know, biggest hobbies. So, uh, you know, hopefully whoever out there enjoys reading as well and would want to get involved uh, will do so. Nah, definitely. I definitely go. We'll have to tap in offline because I definitely think, I mean, you're doing some wonderful things with that. Uh, Audible, if y'all listening, Libby, if y'all listening, Chirp, you know, definitely tap in with DK and all the things that he's doing from a reading aspect. Um, but I think it's amazing that he says, shoot your shot. You know, not every athlete is going to be LeBron where, you know, companies are throwing themselves at him to get the deal. But, you know, you had an initiative. You thought it was a great idea, something you're passionate about. You put it online, you were authentic, and people connected with you about that. So um, definitely, if you're listening, take advantage of that. I think that's a huge point that you just said, because so many guys, they think you have to be LeBron James or taking it to football, DeAndre Hopkins or Kyler Murray to make things pop. And I've found, I found the opposite. Like, you know, I've, I've taken a couple of chances in, in my life and my career, both on and off the field. And I've been rewarded by doing so. Uh, you know, another cool story with that is I remember I was in, was in New York. I didn't buy, um, I was a, a rookie and I didn't buy a car right away because I was a fifth rounder. I didn't know if I was going to make it. I just, I was like, I, I need to just save up. My mindset was like, if I do make it, I want to save as much money as I can because I don't know how long I'm going to be here at first, all that. So I didn't, but I, and I brought my high school car. It was a 2005 Kia Sorento. And it that's, was a, no, wait, hold up. That's how I, uh, that's how I originally connected with you. Oh, that story. <laughs> oh yeah. Tell your story. This is great. Oh yeah. T tap in, please. Yeah. All right. Tell the story. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I brought my high school car, 2005 Kia Sorento, and I, I brought it and I'm driving it around. And you already know some of the vets on the team. I'm in New York. So dudes is coming <laughs> with, with the double R's in the car, with the, with yeah. the lights and, and all that. I'm pulling up the 2005 Kia Sorento, like, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> and um, I was, I was rolling with that. And then I started having car issues and, you know, it, it started getting cold. I'm from Arizona. I ain't never dealt with the cold before. I ain't gonna lie. One time I hit black ice trying to drive home. I spun out a little bit. Like, I was just like, this car seems dangerous. I need to figure something out. So I took it to the shop 
got it fixed. But while I was there, I asked to speak to the owner. And, uh, you know, I started to build a relationship with him. And at the time, I started balling as a, as a rookie. Like, I ended up starting the majority of the season as a rookie. It unexpected, played really well. And I was like, I'd love to partner with you guys. And, like, I just want a car. I'll post about it, you know, build some momentum. And I essentially, long story short, negotiated a deal on my own. Um, nobody's helped with the with the owner of the, of the dealership and he gave me a car um, it was a, a brand new Kia Cadenza which are they're nice uh, mm-hmm. nice rides gave it to me I got to drive it for three years while I, while I was there and shipped my car back I shipped my Kia Sorento back home and I, I was rolling in that and once again that was all about shooting my shot and for those for the next three years, I drove that Kia Cadenza around and, and was just whipping and never had uh, never had any issues. And I didn't buy my first car until I uh, got my my big contract when I went to Detroit. So um, that's just a great example of like sometimes you got to shoot your shot, and it doesn't matter if you're the star of the team. Like dur- during the time, I wasn't Odell Beckham. I was a fifth round draft pick. Uh, he, you know, Dell was the first rounder who came out with me and I started playing pretty well, but you know, like there was, there was no guarantees, but I built relationships when you're personable and you shoot your shot, you never know what could happen. And, and that's how it kind of played out. No, nah, I respect the biggest takeaway from that is he said he built relationships, understand that build relationships and the opportunities will come, whether it's with business relationships, brand opportunities, sponsorships, anything, you know, the, to be authentic and like really um yeah that's crazy i'm glad you brought that up because i was like that's how i connected with you yeah so you definitely and then for the athletes you know um you know both uh men and women you know we're busy on instagram you know shooting our shots when it comes to other things shoot our shots from the (laughs) business perspective like if you can shoot your shot with that stuff shoot your shot when it comes to business so uh i really appreciate you sharing that so um you know you come from a football family and i think your father had you know spent some time in the nfl What lessons did you learn from his career? I know, obviously, you're a young kid or maybe not even born yet when he was playing um, that you learned from his 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 career. And then obviously, you know, you're a veteran now. What lessons that you learned from him um, that you would like tell others that are coming up, you know, in new classes coming in every year? uh, What are some principles that you tell them from a financial and career perspective? See, like you said, I was really young when my dad played. But one thing I. I just I paid a lot of attention to how he moved and even once he was retired because that was most of what I saw just like what his life was like and and how he operated and uh, one thing is in this Arizona he played for the Cardinals ended his career and stuff and um, he's loved in this community and like the networking and the personability and all and all of those things that's where I got it from because you know he everyone knows him around here and yeah because he used to play but also just because he has this rambunctious personality that people gravitate towards. Uh, he builds relationships. And I was like, man, all right, I want, I want to be, to be like that. I want to have relationships with people where long after my career, um, I'm still having opportunities. I'm still in rooms that um, I want to be in. So I think networking without him even telling me, but just watching how he moved even till this day was a huge lesson that I, that I took from him. And then just hard work, you know, uh, my dad, I'm, I'm second generation from, you know, rougher, rougher life. Like my dad grew up in Stockton, California. Um, my, my mom and dad actually, it's not the best, it's one of the worst cities to, um, in the country, or at least it was at, at one point. And, 
you know, he he made it in the league, got out of there, and luckily I was be, I was blessed enough to be able to be raised in a really good community in Arizona because of his hard work and and I've always took pride in the fact that it's it's uh it's my turn. You know, he passed the torch on to me and family name and and heritage means a lot to me and, and legacy. And it's like, all right, I'm gonna continue his legacy and and uh you know he started where he started and got me here. Well how far can I take it for the next generation for my for my kids and for my nieces and nephews and and stuff. So that it was motivation. It's like wow like hearing about and knowing my dad's uh my parents upbringing and seeing where we're at now and just wanting to to do even better for the next generation so hopefully years and years down the line you know the canard name is is uh you know a household oh definitely and um you know where can people find you once again thank you so much for taking the time um i learned a lot i know that the people that are listening will learn a lot as well um, it's been a long time coming. I'm glad we could make the time to make it work. Uh, where can people tap in with you if they want to connect, if they want to learn more about all the wonderful things you got going on? Uh, on all social media, I'm at Devon Kennard, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and then also I have a website, www.devonkennard. So pretty much just type in my name and you'll, you'll figure it out on social media or our uh, website. And I'd love to hear from you guys. And thanks for having me, man. It's, this, this talk was great. And we might have to start making it like a, a yearly thing at least or something like oh, that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking monthly. You're talking about yearly. I'm thinking monthly. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm willing to hop on, man. I'm, I'm passionate. I've been uh, watching, watching your career and what you're doing. And congrats on being making the Forbes list. No oh, respect. Uh, 30, so I don't think I'm gonna be able to make that make that list. That was a bucket list. You you, you got it. I did. Uh, <laughs> no, you got the New York Times, man. It's cool. You got you got you you on the article. You got you got in the in the actual magazine too. So it's all good. <laughs> but two uh, sorry, two more questions before I go. You know, one of your favorite quotes is "Cash flow is king." Expand on that real quick. Um, you know, people say cash is king, and and I believe just cash flow is. You know, if you got money coming in, and that solves solve so many problems. And I hate when people act like money is the, is the enemy, uh, you know, finances and being financially literate and having, and having money provides opportunities for you to impact and live the life you want. Like I connect money and specifically cash flow to financial freedom, to freedom in general. When you have money, you have resources and have freedom. So, uh, and the best kind of money is cash flow when it's coming in, especially passively. So cash flow is king, baby. No, I love that. You know, freedom allows for, you know, leverage and leverage allows for power and power. Uh, it all, it all ties in together. So I appreciate you saying that because a lot of people get a bad connotation when it comes to money. And it's not, it's not like that. It gives you the freedom to take care of your family, to do things you want to do and, you know, have peace of mind if you know if you if you master it the right way and then last thing um frugal athlete we just recently came out with the rookie mistakes course so we ask all our athlete guests what's one rookie mistake that you would tell uh oh we go are uh, you good <laughs> don't worry what's one rookie mistake that you would advise uh, a young player not to make or to avoid that you personally made um god um i would say one rookie mistake is don't don't invest with somebody until you do background uh, searches on them. And for all young athletes, I'm sure it's the same in all the other leagues, but there's resources where you can get background checks on anybody you're doing business with for free. The NFL does it. You literally just have to start with your player engagement, uh, player uh, guy for the team. He can get you in contact with the right people. But uh, when you're picking anyone you're doing business with, 
get a background search on them. Make sure they're they're not uh, you know criminals and and have good history. Uh, that's something that somebody told me, and I've I've dodged some bullets in in some in some opportunities, and and uh, that's huge. And then another thing is just with doing contracts, realize you you it's negotiable. You know, people try to make it seem like agents try to make it seem like like you're working for them. They work for you, and you dictate you dictate what the terms are. And if they want you bad enough, then then they gonna meet you where you are. So uh, remember, they work for you. You don't work for them. No respect. Hey, you gotta start your own podcast, man. You gotta start your own <laughs> podcast at some point. Bars were shared. Gems were shared. Appreciate you. Um, thank you once again. For the folks that are listening, we're going to have all this in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, follow Devon and all the wonderful things he's doing. Make sure you support his team. Arizona Cardinals, they're doing amazing things. They're definitely going to be a team to watch in the future. So, um, yeah, but that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me again. No, most definitely. So let's just break it down. So many gems were shared. Uh, this is an all new thing that we're trying to do, you know, provide some notes at the end. So we're just going to call it our frugal athlete notes. Uh, Devon was able to give us a lot of gems. And once again, thank you to him for taking the time to get on our podcast. But let's run down some of the takeaways. Risk management. I thought Devon, you know, did a great job of sharing, you know, how to mitigate risk and how important it is to, you know, sometimes people say it's like playing scared, but I don't think so. It's, you know, it's looking at things from a, a wide angled camera. You have to see everything. You have to play out your risk. And that's something that Devon takes into every deal that he does. And it served him well. So I think a lot of athletes and investors, individuals, they don't mitigate the risk. They don't understand the risk and their risk management is what fails them at the end. So um, I thought that was a great point that um, Devon made. Uh, second point, uh, you have to build the foundation. You know, Devon, he had the money to, you know, start big and, you know, do big deals, but he wanted to learn um, from the ground up. So he went in with his teammate uh, or not his teammate, a former uh, uh, actually his college teammate. Yeah. At the time um, when they were both in the NFL for different teams and they went in together on a small deal, uh, as he liked to say, a, a turnkey property. And he built the foundation starting with one and then he built out to two and to three. And then now ultimately he owns about under 30 properties, actually a little over 40, 40 properties. If you count them all in total uh, between his uh, turnkey investments and then his uh, syndicate deals. So building the foundation is everything when it comes to, you know, building that financial portfolio. And we can take great lessons in what Devon provided for us in terms of that lesson. Another thing I liked um, in terms of a takeaway was goal setting. So obviously, obviously, it's cool to have the nice cars, the big house, you know, going on family vacations. But if you hear how Devon was telling his story and telling, giving out his lessons, he always said it with a goal in mind. So it wasn't just to do this, to do that, to do that, to do this. It was because of he wanted this and he wanted that. And this is the steps that he was going to take there. When you give yourself a North Star the roadmap gets so much easier in how you're going to go about getting it or getting to that destination. Imagine trying to go somewhere without a map and you need that map. You need that goal. You need that, that vision that's going to help you get there. And Devon greatly uh, exemplified that throughout, you know, the podcast mailbox, money, mailbox, money, mailbox, money, AKA passive income. That was what Devon stressed throughout the whole podcast. You know, being able to let your money work for you. Um, it's a great lesson. 
Um, being able to, you know, as a football player, that's strenuous. You know, you're not going to be able to, t- you know, take tackles, give tackles for the rest of your life. But you are be able to, you know, open up your mailbox or, you know, check your account and get that money every month or every quarter or every year. And that's what uh, Devon stressed out, you know, throughout the, the whole podcast. The duration of the podcast was how was he going to be able to make mailbox money? Um, and that's kind of one of the biggest lessons that I took away is that, you know, passive income is very important because that's something that will never be taken away based on your time. Um, you know, you're doing the work beforehand so that you can make your money work for you. And then lastly, uh, I really love this because um, this is how I originally connected with Devon. You know, I saw him do a, uh, he came out with an article. An article was written about him for him and his, his car. You know, he didn't use a, a car. Uh, he, sorry, he did have a car his first three years, but it was like his car, his first car from high school. And he didn't get a new one until he was able to, you know, get a deal with the local dealership. But that wouldn't have came about if he didn't shoot his shot. So as you guys know, Devon is a big advocate of shooting your shot and, you know, coming up with opportunities and campaigns that you feel that you are about. I think that's really big and something that I suggest to a lot of athletes is, you know, who cares? You know, the worst thing that can happen is, is a no. And no doesn't mean anything. It just means not right now. So shoot your shot. You know, Devon has done it. I have done it. And I think it's a great lesson that can be applied to anyone that is listening to this podcast. So I hope you guys enjoyed the takeaways. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast, more importantly. Um, But with that being said, please leave a review and subscribe. It helps us get discovered. It helps us grow our platform. And we want to continue to get guests like Devon on the podcast. You know, he did a great job. He's having a great career. He's going to continue to have a great career. And um, it's just amazing to see what he's doing off the field as well. So once again, thank you guys for supporting the show. Thank you to Devon for taking the time. Uh, Catch you guys later. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode. For more information, check out the show notes and go to our website, www.afrugalathlete.com. If you enjoyed, please leave a favorable rating and review and share and subscribe. Thank you so much.